Wednesday, June 1st, and this is Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, and joining me in studio today from Motley Fool Asset Management, Bill Mann. That's true. From income investor, James Early. And from Motley Fool Global Gains, Tim Hansen. I didn't know hey we guys. had to talk in the middle. I thought we had to wait for you to finish. No, you can jump in whenever. Come I on. never knew that. This is this is. This is it's great. a new Come regime, on. Tim. <laughs> what do we just meet? Feel so free now. We're like family. Jump in whenever. All right, guys. We've got Marathon Oil buying some land in Texas. We've got Yahoo resolving a dispute in China. We'll get to those stories in a moment. But first, we will head to Macau, where gambling revenue in May hit a record high, rising forty-two percent compared to a year ago. Bill, it's the fourth month in a row that gambling revenue has hit. A record high. What what is going on in Macau? So, I, 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 a lot of people might not know this, but in 2006, Macau passed Las Vegas as the largest uh, gambling place in the world by by revenues, and it is now four times that of Las Vegas. And they expect by the end of this year, it will be five times that of Las Vegas. It's the only place in China where you are allowed to gamble. And people apparently do in very, very high quantities. And it's mostly Chinese people just getting wealthier and driving this growth versus tourists coming from Australia. Well, yes, it is mostly domestic gamblers. But also remember that China has had a, a relatively, well, not relatively, a very easy money policy for the last one to two years, which has made debt very accessible. And when you have accessible debt and nobody really <laughs> worried about where that debt is going, <laughs> you, get, you, you get record revenues at casinos. And, I mean, obviously, Macau, very far away from the United States, and yet some of the companies that are benef- uh, benefiting are U.S. companies, um, Las Vegas Sands, yeah, MGM. Uh, MGM Resorts, Wind, uh, Wind Resorts. Um, uh, Tim, we've talked before about Walmart as a company that uh, you know. You look at you look. Is Walmart benefiting? Uh, well, just stick with me. I but- don't recall seeing the Walmart <laughs> casino in Macau. Oh, it's it's coming. How <laughs> um, uh, Walmart um, is what's really driving Walmart's revenue is international growth um, for these gaming companies. Um, how much can they depend on Macau to really drive their revenue when? Gambling revenue in Las Vegas right now, in Las Vegas, Nevada, is is pretty sluggish. Oh, I mean, Macau's, Macau's the game now. Wynn Resorts split their company apart to list the Macau operations separately in Hong Kong purely for the reason because they thought their Las Vegas operations were dragging on the value of the company. I mean, yeah. that's a that's an incredible sort of framework change um, from where we would have been 10 years ago. But, you know, the future really is in terms of gross gambling volumes. Um, you know, as James said, you know, China is still a, a, an emerging market in many ways, particularly on the consumer level. So when you start thinking, you know, uh, right now, let's say the middle class in China is 250 million, it could easily be 400, 500 million in, in, in 20 years. And then think about what gambling rev- revenues in Macau could potentially be as long as the uh, legal protections um, that keep gambling isolated to Macau stay yeah. in place. Yeah, they have one place to go. I mean, I think that's important. You can think of, you could think of China as being the U.S. Uh, what twenty five years ago when we just had, you know, we just had Vegas and then I guess Atlantic City. But this is this is the only game in town, and it, you know, it's also important to note that uh, that a non U S company, uh, Galaxy Entertainment, just opened its casino uh, on the uh, on the Kotai Strip in Macau. So they have so that's helping. That's helping drive the sure. revenue for May anyway. Yeah, for May. 
Are we going to see uh, next month? Are, are we going to be back here talking about a fifth month? In I a mean, row who's right betting now? against them? I mean, forty-two percent. That's that's kind of a lot from a big, you know, from a from a from an awfully big base. But this can't be sustained, can it? I, you know, the gambling. <laughs> oh, this gambling thing—that's going away. Bad. But uh, at this level, no. I, I mean, I think the, if China tightens its credit policy, I, th- I think that's where you might see the the. Um, Momentum slow down sure. a little bit, and you see yeah. more normal growth rates start to materialize. Ultimately, the the gambling rate should not exceed the GDP growth rate by thirty seven. You're saying that's not healthy. And that's not that's someone's going to someone's going to notice. So is, at some know. point, you're looking at Macau growing between five and eight percent, and and that would be a more sustainable level. Yeah. You get, what's your favorite game, Bill? When you're in Vegas or Macau, what's your favorite game? Oh, I play. Uh, I play blackjack. Blackjack. Yeah, Tim. I'm not really a gambler. I, I, I'm very, I'm very intimidated by dealers. Yeah, really. Tim tries to catch throwing stars, though. <laughs> that, that's his <laughs> game. Do you like the, the the room itself? Remember, you, you weren't a fan of big box stores. There's something about them. Do you have a similar? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's the, the yeah the lack of windows. I think that's that's pretty. The pure game. oxygen. He's bothered by this. I mean, yeah. the last time we were in Macau, I got a Starbucks coffee and just walked around shaking my head. I I didn't even know where to start. I mean, so it is a lot like me taking a trip to Walmart. Actually, I hadn't put the two together, but you're right, James. You don't strike me as a gambling guy, but but do you? Have you know, I'm not. You I never know those slot machines, but I'm not much of a. I mean, I get really into it when I when I get into it, but I, but I don't get into it. That's why. Yeah. All right, moving on. Marathon Oil has agreed to pay $3.5 billion for acreage in the Eagle Ford Shale Formation in South Texas. The area contains oil, petroleum liquids, and gas. Hillcorp Energy and a private equity firm are the sellers. James, Marathon's got a market cap of around $38 billion. Uh, $3.5 billion, that's, that's not exactly small potatoes. It is not a small bet, Chris. And, and the stock is down a little bit because everyone is talking about what a great deal uh, the sellers got on this. And usually mm-hmm. when they get a good deal, the buyers don't get such a good deal. About a year ago, according to Forbes, Hillcorp sold 40% of its Eagle uh, shale back uh, for, for like $400 million, and, and which would implicitly value the rest at $600 million. So that plus a little bit more now they're selling for... $3.5 billion. It's hard to compare exactly, but somehow things uh, went up a lot in price. Now, uh, Marathon says this could boost their production by 5%, 6-7% in a couple of years, but yeah. the big the big risk or how much oil is there, uh, will technology develop and, and let them extract more than they think, and where will oil prices go? So, we don't know those things. I mean, the stock is down a few percent. It's going to be a, a big win or a big loss, not, not a small thing, though. Yeah, it's not a bet. It's not a bet. The farm for for marathon. I mean, ten percent of the market cap. I mean, that's that's. It's a big transaction. Um, they they are anticipating a hundred thousand a hundred thousand barrels of uh, of oil per day uh, in production coming from the field in the next few years. I think the really interesting thing uh, to look for with all of the shale fields is. Um, the environmental re- remediation element that has that has not really been discussed as much. You know, yeah. you've got. I mean, basically, what they do is they frack these fields, which means they pump cement and water into the fields, and it creates a you know it can be an environmental mess. And uh, you know, I think that that's probably a better way of you know for investors to play these fields is look for the companies that do remediation. Tim, yeah. what do you think? Well, we ran a study not too long ago comparing um, where you the world. Well, you did a study. I'm impressed already. <laughs> <Thank Whatever>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back to you, Chris. <laughs> I hate you all. So we looked at we looked at we compared uh, basically where the world's oil reserves are, and we compared that uh, or cross referenced it to the world's most corrupt countries, and and. <laughs> 
Texas was number one. <laughs> <laughs> but it seriously turns out that most of the world's oil are in places where it's very dangerous to get that oil. Uh, the notable exceptions being parts of the United States, Canada, and Norway. And and we um, started thinking about that. You know, oil obviously is, is priced globally right now. Mm-hmm. But is there a premium to owning oil assets in places where you don't need to worry about political risk, revolution? Obviously, the Arab Spring has caused a lot of people to to reevaluate their willingness to invest in places. Um, you know, in, in North Africa uh, and, and other more volatile regions. And so, you know. The marathon deal looks expensive, but you know, thinking about it, there is merit to having politically safe oil assets. I think over the next ten to twenty years. Yeah. So you think that's a premium worth paying? You know, as James James pointed out, the variables that are going to dictate whether what if the premium is worth paying and and what magnitude is worth paying. Um, but in terms of, would you rather have equal assets in Canada, Texas, or? Ivory Coast, yep. you know, I think it's a no-brainer, all things being equal, where you go, you'd be willing to pay a little bit more, at least, in for Canada or Texas. You, you still lost me at study. <laughs> <laughs> I'm growing up. You know, we take our jobs a little more seriously now. And finally, we talked recently about Yahoo having a dispute with Alibaba Group over its Alipay unit. Alibaba Group essentially took ownership of Alipay away from Yahoo. Yahoo had, I believe, about a 43% stake. Reuters is now reporting that Yahoo has reached an agreement with Alibaba Group. Uh, Tim Hansen, uh, details are a little murky here. Um, They're more than a little murky. (laughs) One thing we do know is that when word of this broke late yesterday, uh, shares of Yahoo spiked. They are down today even more than they were up yesterday. So, Well, I think traders at the end of the day yesterday appeared to be thinking a press release was imminent, yep. announcing some resolution here, and, and I have seen no resolution. Um, apparently, the holdup is reportedly at SoftBank, who would also need to uh, sign off on the deal. They're a Japanese uh, technology investor, very, very large um, uh, f- financial firm, and they're also very good friends with Jack Ma. So I, I'm yep. not sure exactly – what the dynamics are, are here, um, you know, as I said earlier on the show, I think a, a, a resolution here is is imminent in some capacity because I think Jack Ma has a lot to lose reputationally um, from this if he were to mistreat Yahoo. Yeah. Um, but my, my, my hypothesis has been a contractual deal where Alipay is owned by ch- uh, Chinese citizens as it needs to be, mm-hmm. but the economic benefits flow up to the foreign-owned Alibaba group. Uh, that is not the rumor. Apparently the rumor is that Jack Ma is just going to pay – um, Alibaba Group, uh, closer to fair value for the asset. But I don't know how anybody can calculate the fair value of this asset. So what is the best case scenario for Yahoo and for Yahoo shareholders? I think some certainty. I mean, the big fish here is is Taobao.com, which is, is owned by Alibaba Group. Um, and that's the big B2B and B2C uh, e-commerce platform. Yep. Um, if they can just show that they have a good working relationship with Jack Ma, that will benefit Yahoo and Yahoo shareholders because it means that the value of Taobao won't also be leaving, which is, in, in a lot of places, the suspicion. Um, we've talked about this before, um, about how Yahoo is in some ways um, a company where the value of the stock is is really hidden from just sort of the um, the average person. I mean, I think the average person looks at Yahoo and it's like, oh, yeah, the portal, the website, I go there. It should really be called Alibaba Group Investing Holdings or <laughs> something like that. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, and you've, you've talked before about it. Like, that's the real value for the stock. Are, are, there other, are there other companies out there that strike you as being similar in that regard where um, the headline of the company or the stock is really different from the underlying value? Bill? I, to me, the best example is actually the Washington Post. 
I mean, the Washington Post has its news, the newspaper assets, yep. but the, wa- A the few Washington TV po- stations as yeah. well. Yeah, but they also have Kaplan, and Kaplan is the big money winner for them at this point. I don't think they'll ever change their name from the Washington Post. It, it might actually help the stock if they did, if they were more aligned as being an education company. I was going to say they know. did reclassify a couple of years ago. They, you know, I don't think they choose that though. I think that that's you know, that, that got forced upon them. Someone said, "Wow, we couldn't help but notice that the education <laughs> company <laughs> that you're selling a lot fewer papers than you want. It's staggeringly more profitable than your newspaper." Yeah, so I think that's. I mean. That there, there, there's a perfect example. Tim, what do you think? Well, we were talking about Macau earlier, and there's a uh, a Japanese company called Universal Entertainment Group, which makes pachinko machines at a basically break even. They're neither profitable nor do they lose a lot of money. But this is a better than two billion dollar company because somewhere way back in history, uh, they were given a twenty percent or so stake in Wynn Resorts. Nice. Yes. So that has worked out very well for them. But it continues. Obviously, there's some liquidity discounts and things that need to be applied in a situation like that um, and, and some tax complications. But their stake in Wynn Resorts now, I think, is worth an upwards of $3 billion, and, and, and they are actually worth yeah. less. If their pachinko factory were to blow up tomorrow, the stock would probably go up <laughs> yes, seven, exactly. several hundred exactly million dollars. Right. Uh, Yahoo's stock is trading at roughly half of where it was five years ago. Um, five years from now, what is a more likely scenario? That Yahoo's stock is cut in half again? or that it's doubled from where it is today. Those are the only choices. Those are the only choices. It's a very restrictive choice. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say cut in half again. I think just having everybody's email at Yahoo, and, and they have some stickiness, but but beyond that, not enough. Tim? I don't think Yahoo will. Go ahead and think. We'll wait. I don't think. <laughs> we'll do a study. That's right. Tough crowd Good today. Wow. That's right. Um, I'm going to say it'll, it'll, be, it'll be back up there at, what was it? Thirty? Is that, thirty? Yeah, you know, just north of thirty. Yeah. I think. Well, something will have happened. I'm not sure Yahoo will even be public at that point. Yeah. So something will have happened. Bill, you agree with that? That wasn't one of the choices. I wasn't no. even sure what the answer was. Uh, no, it was just. We were clarifying stuff. the rules. My answer, my answer was that I don't think Yahoo will exist in five years in the form it exists today. But on the way to that eventuality, double. That's what he's saying. Double. Shareholders double. will make I money. Double too. That's what I heard. This is a triple back up the truck, double stamp guarantee. Sweet. <laughs> He is 89% sure that he's 100% sure of this. A guarantee is not a guarantee. Send those emails to chiehanson at fool.com. Bill, what do you think? Double. Double? Yes. Just I gonna, mean, just going to leave it at that? Say that quietly, though. I did, because I don't really believe it, but... <laughs> yeah, you have to say one or the other. I mean, I don't think it's... I mean, they, they own some incredibly valuable assets, so they would really, really have to screw it up in order to, you know... Of course, they've got that shot in their bag, so they really could screw it up, but, I mean... I think it's going to double. Bill Mann, Tim Hanson, James Early. Guys, thanks for being here. Thank you, Chris. Thanks, Chris. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our producer is Matt Greer. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Am I not supposed to speak while you're doing your important part? No, no, no. Hey, hey. it's casual. Wait, wait. The professional is speaking. (laughs) Bill Matt, I'm here. (laughs) Present. Present. How did you fund this study of yours? Um, It sounds like it's just looking at a map, though, right? (laughs)